0: Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The theme this morning is a consideration of the blessings that belong to us as being sons of God. I'm going to take a slightly different approach this morning, for we're going to work backwards through our text, for there's a great crescendo that comes with an incredible significance to all that precedes it, namely, that we're to understand our sonship to the Father by reflecting upon Christ's own relationship to the Father. We are sons of God, even as Christ is a son of God. Incredibly, we are sons like he is. And so this morning, we are going to look at the characteristics, these blessings that are ours as being sons of of God, they are three particular blessings that we're going to denote. The first blessing that we have as being adopted sons of God is that as sons of God, we share in Christ's relationship as son to the Father. Our sonship is different than Christ's. We are adopted sons, if you look at verse 15. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. God has adopted us. God has chosen to make us his children. In the book of Ephesians, it says this. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame, before him, in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of sons. So in love, he predetermined that we would be sons of God. Christ is not an adopted son. He is a son by his very being. Nevertheless, even though his sonship is different from ours, nevertheless, now we are adopted sons or children of God, and enjoy the privileges of sonship right along with the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Romans 8:16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that, now here is the key, we are children of God. Now the text describes three ways in which our sonship is like Christ's. Three ways in which we can understand who we are uh, in God as sons by looking at Christ's own sonship. The first is as sons or children of God, we share in Christ's inheritance. Notice verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That is, we share in everything that Christ receives of the Father. All that Christ can claim as His, we can claim also, now and into the future. We have been chosen to be treated and be made like His Son in all things. Notice Romans 8, 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We are considered brothers, sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to be conformed to the image of Christ in all things. And the first is his inheritance. All that Christ can claim of the Father we can claim of the Father as well. Secondly, as sons of God, we also share in Christ's sufferings. Notice Romans eight seventeen, And if children then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, now this, provided we suffer with Him. And each one of these three things, with Him, is included in the text. It says, we are his children provided that we suffer with him. That is, suffer with Christ. Christ suffered as the Son of God, and we too suffer as sons of God. It's important to understand that suffering is not a condition of sonship. Christ did not become a son by suffering. Rather, he suffered because he was a son. And in the very same manner, we do not become sons of God as a result of our suffering. But rather, because we are the sons of God, we will in fact suffer. We suffer right along with Christ, suffering as a son of God. The verse, in verse 17, with the provisional, of provided we suffer with him, is to make it clear that if we don't suffer, then we are not really his sons. If we don't suffer, then we don't really belong to him. For all who belong to him suffer. Now to make this a little more clear, Listen to the words of the book of Hebrews, starting with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggles against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us a short time as it seemed best to them, but the discipline for us is for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but rather it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you don't suffer, if you aren't disciplined, you aren't a child, for God disciplines every child of his. The suffering that is in view here is the suffering that's associated with obedience. It is the father's discipline and training that brings about maturity in his sons. It is the suffering that we go through that develops us in our holiness. Note the example of Jesus himself, Hebrews chapter 5. Just listen. In the days of his flesh, meaning in his earthly ministry, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Though he was a son, though he had this relationship with God, it was developed and matured through the suffering that he experienced. So if you are a child of God, you share in the sufferings that come through sonship that develop us in our maturity, in our holiness. Then thirdly, as sons of God, we share in Christ's glorification. I'll say more about the suffering in just a moment. But the third is that we share in Christ's glorification. The end of verse 17. We suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Romans chapter 8, verse 30 Brings this to a conclusion with these thoughts. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We will be glorified. That is, that we share in the resurrection of Christ, who rose from the dead, and so shall we. Romans 8.23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, And we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So our bodies are going to be resurrected from the dead and be glorified because we are sons. That is, we share in exaltation of Christ. Christ will be exalted and so shall we. Look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we're going to be glorified. We're going to be in glory. We're going to experience all the blessings in the heavenly places in Christ and it can't be compared with any suffering that we are going through now. It is going to far exceed anything that is a negative in this life or as we perceive it as a negative. That's, uh, that glorification outweighs anything that we encounter in this life. Now much more can be said about that, but time is limited and I'm gonna move on to uh, try to bring this to a, a, a bigger conclusion. The second blessing that we have as being sons of God is that as sons of God we are led by the Spirit of God even as Christ the Son of God was led by the Spirit of God. So as sons we are led by the Spirit. Notice verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Again, this is not a condition upon which, if we are led by the Spirit, then we are His children. It's not saying that this is conditioned on being a child. But rather, it is a statement of fact. It's not even an exhortation to be led by the Spirit. It's not telling us, now, you need to be led by the Spirit. It's a statement of fact. It's an accomplishment that is ours as a son. If you are a son, you are, in fact, led by the Spirit. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is a part of this whole view of predestination. This is a, a part as it's going to be unfolded in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, because the Spirit of God is leading us. The Spirit of God is directing our lives. As sons of God, we are led by the Spirit of God, even as Christ was led by the Spirit of God. So let's think about a moment, Christ's own being led by the Spirit of God because he was the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, but Christ was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness in order to be tempted That is to learn and exercise obedience before his father. The temptation that Christ faced was to give his fleshly or human desire, uh, to give into his fleshly or human desire uh, relating to hunger. In Matthew chapter four verse two it says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry. He was hungry, that's certainly understandable. Don't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, You're going to be hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. Satisfy your hunger, rather than be obedient to the will of the Father. If you are the Son, then exercise your prerogatives and turn this stone into bread. However, because Christ was the son of God, he did not turn the stones into bread. Because he was the son of God, he was obedient and submissive to the will of the Father. It was his sonship that was proof and of his obedience and his obedience was proof of his sonship for it was the spirit of God that was at work in this entire situation. So too we will resist temptation because we are the sons of God. Because we are being led by his spirit. That's why we're working backwards through this text. By the grace of God we are no longer enslaved to the desires of our bodies. Whether that be food, sex, ambition, or whatever. Notice verse 12. So then, brothers, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We have no obligation to simply follow our fleshly desires any more than Jesus followed his desire when he was hungry. By the Holy Spirit, we now have a newfound desire for obedience and an ability to say no To those fleshly desires or those humanly, and in our case, sinful desires. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's by his leading. It's by his direction as a result of being a son of God that we put to death these desires that we now have an ability to say no. And can do what God would have us to do. That is the Holy Spirit at work maturing us, developing us as his children. Creating holiness in us. And the third blessing that we have is being adopted sons of God. Is that as sons we have intimacy with the Father even as Christ had in intimacy with the Father? This intimacy with the Father means that there is now no need to fear in our relationship to Him. There is nothing that can destroy that relationship. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no basis of God finding fault with us. Later in Romans, it's gonna say, who then shall find fault? Shall Christ that died, yea, rather it is written again? He shall it be God the Father, he who spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him freely give us all things? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principality, nor power, nor any created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So we did not receive the spirit in order to bring us into slavery to God, which is a fearful relationship, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Our relationship to God is not one of slavery, it's one of sonship. Slavery is a fearful thing. Slavery is a hideous thing relationship. And it's described in this verse as fearful. If you were a slave, you had every reason to fear the master. He could whip you. He could sell you. He could kill you at his discretion. And as a slave, you had to be concerned by every misdeed, every wrong step, any mishap could bring you into disfavor with the master. And you could be whipped or sold or even killed. And so there was this constant trepidation as a slave in any way displeasing the master. But we're not slaves, we're sons. And as sons, there's no reason to fear the father. For he's not going to treat us the way a slave treats his father. For notice verse 15. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. This intimacy with the father means we have the tender compassion of the father. In the midst of our sufferings, even as Christ had. Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word. It's not even a Hebrew word. It's Aramaic. And it's a word that most people translate as Daddy. It's it's the word of endearment of a little child to their father. The thought is that in our suffering, we can cry out to God, our Heavenly Father, as Daddy. So let me unpack that for you this morning. Again, we're talking about our relationship as sons. Christ's own prayer life is extremely instructive for us. If you would go through and just note Jesus' prayers, you would discover that all but in two instances, Jesus refers to his father as father. That is by far the normative way in which Jesus addresses his Heavenly Father. Father. Every place in Scripture but two. One place, he refers to his Father as God. It's when he's hanging on the cross, it's when he is bearing the punishment for our sins. It is in his absolute subjection and obedience to God. In which he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So in his humanity and in his complete submission to his father, he refers to him as God. The only time in the scripture when he does so. And there is one place in the scriptures where Jesus refers to his father as Abba. That situation occurs in conjunction with Jesus' suffering the night of his betrayal and the night before the crucifixion. In Mark chapter 14, you may want to turn there. Mark 14. Mark chapter 14, I'm going to start at verse 32. And they, that is Jesus and the disciples, after they had observed the Passover meal together, after he had instituted the Lord's Supper, now night had come. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here and pray. Note how Jesus describes his condition to his disciples. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. How humanly distressed and troubled was he? Humanly speaking, Jesus was experiencing more than he could bear. Look at verse 34. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Even to death. Meaning that Jesus didn't know, humanly speaking, if he could make it through this ordeal that he was presently in. We're not even talking about the ordeal on the cross right now, in the garden. I don't know. I can do this. He was distressed. He was sorrowful. Verse 35, and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He was praying. If there was any other way, if there were any other possibility, Then for him to go to the cross he was pleading with his heavenly father he was pleading with his daddy and saying let this cup pass from me don't make me go through this take it away and then he goes on to say Verse 36. He said, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Listen again to the words of Hebrews chapter 5. Don't need to turn there. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers with supplications, with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. It's this passage that's in view Father, you can deliver me. And the scriptures said he said that with loud cries and with tears. Father, you can deliver me. I don't know if I can do this. But he didn't say, Father, you can deliver me. He said, Daddy. Daddy. I I think of a young child who, in desperation, in their loneliness, in their sense of abandonment, are crying out, Daddy! 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 So he says, crying with tears, he's crying out, Daddy, let this pass from me. The father was not disappointed in Jesus. The Father was not condemnatory of Jesus. The Father sent angels to help Jesus. Here is a great and precious truth. For Romans eight is coming on the heels of Romans seven. Paul said those things which I would not are the things I do, those things that I do not are the things that I would not are the very things I do. Who will deliver me? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. Here's a great lesson. Obedience can be hard, it can be stressful. The Spirit of God leads us into difficult situations and requires much of us. We can be in places and circumstances that create emotional and physical distress. We can find ourselves at times when we are shedding great tears. And yes, as Christians, there are times in which we can ask ourselves, I don't know if I can go on. Have you ever, have you ever contemplated suicide? Have you ever just felt like throwing in your towel? Just saying, I've had it. I've had it with the church. I've had it with people. I've had it with life. Have you ever suffered so much in pain in a hospital bed or elsewhere when you just say, God, take me home? I don't know if I can go on. This passage teaches us that at these times we can plead with God, our Father, to take those things away from us, even as Jesus... Pled with his father. Let this cup pass from him. We find in this passage that the very crying out to God as Daddy, Father, in the midst of our suffering, is a witness that we are the very sons of God. Look at verse 16, back in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God. What is that witness? What is it in a mystical sense that reassures us that we are in fact saved and in a right relationship with God when we're going through all this emotional turmoil and anxiety? What witness is brought to bear mystically and wonderfully To bring us comfort and consolation in the midst of tears. And in Jesus' case, tears that were like sweat drops of blood. Answer, it's in our crying out to our God as daddy. It's in that moment of which we realize there is no place else for us to turn. There is nowhere else to go. There is no one else to whom we appeal. Like a little child, when everything comes crushing in, it's their natural response, Daddy! It's in our running to God that assures us that we are his children. For that is unique to us as his children. For we don't raise our fist in our struggles and in our anxieties. We don't curse God and die. We cry out to God for his mercy and his grace and his help. Because we are his children. And the Holy Spirit is helping us. And we'll get to that later in Romans chapter eight for he is interceding with us with groanings which cannot be uttered, that the Holy Spirit is pleading alongside of us. His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. And so we are comforted and we realize, yes, it is true, as a child of God, I do go through sufferings, I do go through heartaches, I do go through mercy, but God is with me. And we are reassured and we are strengthened and we are helped and what we thought was absolutely unbearable by the grace of God we bear to his glory and ours that is holiness that is spiritual maturity that is gaining victory over our sinful desires and flesh that is submitting ourselves to God the Father that's what sonship is so we are truly blessed to be adopted children of God. We are blessed because we are treated as sons, even as Jesus is a son. That is enough just to, to buckle your mind. Let that run around in your head for a while. That God the Father views you and me with the same intimacy and love that he does his very own son. And that he would give his son for us. We are his children. He loves us. We are blessed because as sons of God, we are led by the Holy Spirit who is leading us, yes, sometimes into the wilderness to mature us, to develop us, to fulfill the purpose and will of God. And we are blessed because as children of God, we can come to our Father, not in some aloof way, But as a very young child cries out to their daddy, we can come to God knowing that we are precious to him. We don't have the spirit of slavery. We have the spirit of sonship. He will hear us. He will help us. He is our daddy. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we are your children by the grace of God. Teach us, our Father, what it means to be your children. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds. It's mind-boggling to think that we are going to be treated as Jesus is treated. That we are glorified with him. That we will be perfect. Welcomed into your presence. And enjoy intimacy with you for all eternity. We are thankful, O God, that as your sons, your spirit leads us. Lord, in in a sovereign, providential, Inperceivable way but yet your spirit is leading us into the events and circumstances that we are encountering we have not been forsaken we have not been abandoned your purpose is being achieved and we are growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ through the things that we suffer through the experiences that we are encountering and Lord we are thankful that in the midst of of all the sufferings that we are experiencing that are part of sonship and are part even of Christ's sufferings, but O oh Lord, we also know that compassion, that mercy, that help. I pray this morning for anyone here this morning who's in that state of anguish, who has questioned their relationship to you, wondering how they could be going through what they're going through, if they're really a child of God. Lord, teach us. Teach us through Jesus' own prayer. I pray you would take that away from them. I pray you would deliver them, for all things are possible for you. But if it's not your will, O God, Give them the ability and desire to submit. And to cry out to you for help. For sustaining grace and power. And we know that you will deliver. Because they are your sons. And your sons will be kept. They'll be preserved. For nothing can separate the love of the Father of his sons no matter what we do no matter how we have acted your love is going to be demonstrated for us for even while we were yet sinners Christ died for us thank you oh God for being our father teach us more and more of what it means to be your children thank you our father for the deliverance You're bringing us from sin as a result of this training, as a result of this development, as a result of you being our father and treating us as your children. You are conforming us to the image of our big brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. want to make a correction our final hymn is actually 422 not 433 we're going to sing give to the winds your fears that title is correct and really i don't want you to miss the connection to what pastor just preached about it really should be give to your father your fears if the syllables would fit but it's really about that trusting our lord as we think of whatever may come our way let's stand together as we sing this closing hymn together